0: Welcome to Bibliography, a podcast for people who love a good-to-be-read list. I'm David Kern here at Goldberry Books in Concord, North Carolina, and this is a conversation show about the way books make our lives richer. This week's guest is an established voice in NFL coverage. He's a sports writer. He's a great profile writer, and now he's the author of a book called The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. I haven't had a sports writer on the podcast yet, But one of my favorite genres of book is the sports book. There have been many, many great sports books written over the years, and at some point, we're going to have to do a deep dive here on the podcast into a century's worth of great sports writing. But I wanted to have this week's guest, Tyler Dunn, on because I've been reading his work for years, dating back to his days covering the Green Bay Packers at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and on to his days at the Bleacher Report, and now at his Substack publication, which you can check out at golongtd.com. Recently, Ty joined me to discuss the state of the NFL. It's what he covers, after all. We talked about um, concussions and, and whether the game is less tough than it was and what that, what that means and whether it matters. And uh, We talked about the future of the league. Uh, we talked about some of his favorite sports books. And, of course, we also talked about his own book, Blood and Guts, which is available wherever you get books. So I'm going to get you over that conversation. Here is my conversation with Tyler Dunn. Ty Dunn, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking about your new book. And, you know, I'm tempted when I was a kid, I wanted to do what you do. So I wanted to be a sports writer. So I'm tempted to just, you know, pepper you questions about like roughing the passer penalties and try to get stories out of you about, you know, not the players so much, but your journey as, as a sports writer. But maybe we'll uh, you know, save that for a different day. But i um, excited to talk about your new book and sports books in general. So thanks for being here.
1: Hey, if you get me on roughing the passer, we may have to uh, carve out a good six and a half hours because I'm ready to rock on that topic. <laughs> Just insanity. But no, it's a pleasure to be here, dude. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, it's a uh, kind of, we're kind of catching each other at the, at the start of this crazy book tour. So yeah, I can't wait.
0: I, I uh, you know, I also will try not to ask you too many questions about my Packers because, you know, you, you have a, a big part of your career has been covering the Packers and those, you know, it's such a historic franchise that I imagine that was a huge, like, boost for you. But also you probably just have a ton of stories and, um, you know, you're one of the big voices in the NFL now. And, um, you know, it's an honor to get to talk to you. But, here, but here's where I want to start. You just, you have a book coming out. So when you were a kid, were you a book guy? Were you a big reader as a kid?
1: It's funny you say that because I was recently, uh, I was back at my parents' house, grew up in Western New York, about an hour south of Buffalo, going through old bins and whatnot. And there was like, you know, you got those little sports cards made the first time you played Pee Wee football. Oh, yeah, I think I was yeah, like yeah. Thir- third grade, you know, yeah. the KOA spear crush, you know, in these orange jerseys. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, you know, you're so tiny and pa- third grade, we hit each other. Think it back. that's pretty early. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. But on the back, not it's anymore. like
1: <laughs> height, weight. Yeah, right. Yeah. It says like height, weight, favorite player. Of course, Brett Favre, and then interest. <laughs> and I said reading in third grade. So to answer your question, I think I've been reading as long as I can remember. Nice, um, nice. Very early. It's just there's something about. I mean, I, I mean, I watch TV. I'm not going to you know sit here and bash TV. We watch all the same yeah, series, yeah. you know, me and my wife that everybody does. Uh, but there's something about reading and creating a picture in your mind as a reader yeah. that. Will always trump TV. Yeah. You know, yeah. A hundred out of a hundred times I feel like the book will always be better than what you see on TV.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's a snobby thing to say, but it's true. Like when you can kind of create an image in your mind and bring it to life on a very personal level. Yeah. I think there's a connection that readers have with the content they're consuming.
0: Yeah. I mean as a bookstore owner. I- I have this conversation every day, like, did you see the movie? Did you watch the new Lord of the Rings thing? You know, every day we're talking about that. And, and almost everybody who's a book lover is like, I was so mad they made this change. And, you know, it usually doesn't bother me so much when people make changes. But what, what's interesting is the way it like, y- y- it just, it's not your relationship with the book. Because you have, you have an individual relationship with a book you love. Um, and it's kind of, it's in some ways some of the same comments I hear, like I have conversations with my friends about being sports fans and the teams they love. And it's similar to the the stuff about the books they love. But did you like, go ahead.
1: No, I just, what popped in my head was I thought that same exact thing on the last book I read, quote unquote, read It was audio book. It was like, you know, (laughs) I love, um, I've always been like anti-fiction for the longest time. And my brother-in-law finally convinced me, no, you got to read fiction. And, a lot of the, my favorite sports writing colleagues said the same thing like it's going to help your writing it's just going to challenge your mind it's going to take you place. so i'm all about fiction out in audiobooks um but it was philip Myers's the sun have you read oh, yeah. that
0: yeah 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 it's a big like western oh, unbelievable. Yeah.
1: yeah 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 it's like over three different time periods like you've got like the the indians warring with the texans and the texans yeah. warring with the mexicans and yeah. you know the family dynasty and it was I was legit pissed off when it was over. I was like, <laughs> I want to listen to another 18 hours, but I was so excited because, Oh my God. AMC made a show like yeah. <laughs> or, um, Pierce Bronson's in it. Yeah. yeah, James Bond. James. Bond. Yeah. I was so excited. I started watching it and then I was like done after two episodes. I'm like, they changed way too much. Yeah, And yeah. it was canceled after two seasons. And I was like, I'm, I don't want to, it's like, tell me there's no Santa Claus. Like I want to believe the first time. Be yeah. happy about it.
0: Yeah. 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 So do you remember like the first time you had that experience though? Like you're a kid, like the first time you fell in love with a book and it like became a big part of who you are. Like, could you point to a particular book? That's a great question. Um, boy, I read sports books
1: for a long time. You know, as you're growing up a huge Packer yeah. fan, anything far, if I could read, I read, but I think what were the, what was the series? Was there like the boxcar children? Yeah, like boxcar
0: children. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Still popular. I
1: definitely remember reading every one of those as a really young kid, yeah, and loving it. And then obviously yeah. goosebumps when you get a little older than that. And yeah, you're yeah, like yeah, So yeah, that Halloween was probably, Yeah. Yep, definitely.
0: So you talk about sports books. Did you're playing sports as a little kid? You start talking about your your third grade football card, and then you're and you're reading sports books. So was that like, was that like your first foray into kind of like? just like getting those pages turning and like really, really loving, like that's you, like, like your first real love with sports books.
1: Honestly, the more I think about it, I mean, I definitely read sports books and, you know, children's books and youth books, all of that. But I started reading the sports page at a really young age. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I can still remember being excited to dive into everything that Chuck Pollock wrote at the Olean Times Herald. So like I said, an hour south of Buffalo in Salamanca, New York, there was the Salamanca press too. Uh, And you know, read that, the only end times heralds, you know, the Cirque, it was probably pretty good back then. Maybe it was like 40, 50,000. Not that today, but Chuck is still there doing his thing. Uh, He became, I mean, long story short, he became like one of my greatest mentors. Mm. I interned there, worked all that stuff, but I, I can remember devouring everything that he wrote and then like Jerry Sullivan, Bucky Gleason. Mark hmm. Gone, Alan Wilson, Larry Felser, the Buffalo News as I got into like middle school, high school. Hmm. Um, it it probably started with that. I mean, I sound I probably sound like a George Costanza right in the interview. <laughs> who, who do you are talking to Elaine's boss? And he goes, Hey, who, who are your favorite authors? He's like, Oh, Mike Lupica. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. I definitely, I'm not gonna lie, like uh the sports page every day. Um, and then it was like like 6th, 7th grade for a career project, I uh, went to the OAN Times, you know, saw my hero, Chuck Pollock, yeah. and I gave him my, like, 1999 NFL draft preview, you know, homemade, cutout pictures, my rankings, mock drafts, all that, yeah. and he told me that day, he said, hey, when you turn 16, I'm going to hire you as an intern, and it was, I don't know, three, four years after that, I get a call from Chuck, hey, you ready to work, and started working the desk, covering high school sports, you know, working late nights, Mm. Um, lo and behold, he's let me write freaking NFL and NBA columns. You know, he just would let me go. Like that was the That's thing awesome. as a sports editor, yeah. He didn't try to like curtail anything. It was just like, just go and learn on the fly. Yeah. Um, and I just talked to him last week. He's just like one of the best human beings ever, but mm. yeah, I could go on and on about Chuck. It, pro- it probably started back then for sure.
0: I mean, I, I, you know, I remember, I mean, I grew up in a family of teachers and multi-generations of teachers and we're reading all the time and, you know, we're reading everything from like you know dickens to tolkien to like you know fiction non-fiction whatever it is shakespeare you know that's the kind of family we're growing up in like that's what we're being asked to read but i loved you know a packers fan right i'm reading i'm reading again. i'm reading silver you know tom oh. tom silverstein and these guys who've been there now for a long time to go along with the newer guys you know and those are those are the names that i grew up you know and then of course you know i i loved um uh, Kornheiser and, and the Washington post and some of those like national guys too. But the way those guys, you know, would tell a story was so fascinating to me. Cause here I am reading like the Lord of the Rings and Louis L'Amour books and the things like that, that I loved. But I'm also like seeing some of the same strategies for telling a story in a, in a gamer, yeah. you know, it has to happen quick. You know, you don't have as many words, but there's a the precision and like the detail and the way they could like paint a picture was so fascinating to me. So as a writer, I'm curious, like when you're thinking about, you know, maybe you don't write as many gamers now, but, but like when you were, when you're doing something like that, are there like, are you thinking about the stuff that you learned from reading books and from the people that came before you? Or do you think it's just like instinct or, or you're like trying to figure out, okay, how do I capture that moment, that game changing moment in a, in a game? And like, you're trying to come up with a strategy to really capture that. Or is it just like, it's just in you somewhere because you read all those all those writers that you just rattled off you are what you eat right I think yeah. you just hit hit the nail on the head like
1: I, I, I get mad at myself if I'm not reading something every day like you need mm-hmm. to just read and read and read and read if you want to become a good writer I mean I'm still trying to figure that all out where yeah it's I, I think like it definitely helped reading that many sports writers at a young age and reading long form, getting the sporting news and Sports Illustrated. You know, middle school, high school, just really digging into the best of the best because I think it just it's somewhere in your brain. However, a story's crafted, it's in there, it's in there somewhere. Yeah. But yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, also, yeah, I mean, you got to be active with it. There's a, I believe it was my first sports editor, my first full time job down there in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the Fayetteville Observer. Yeah. Oh, which is how far from you
0: maybe an hour and a half something like that that's it maybe maybe a little more than that i'm trying that's where the um the base is right
1: yeah yep for brag yeah. yeah so i was there for a hot minute it wasn't long like five six months after that but um uh, todd adams was my sports editor then and he had this bit of advice He's, he was really big on long form i mean we weren't together long but it was a fantastic editor he said you know in your stories you always want to have like conflict and conflict resolution, like nothing in life, you know, is ever just hunky dory throughout. Like there's, there's going to be issues. There's going to be some shit that happens that you got to overcome and work through and trauma and all that. And then it's got to be figured out for, for better or worse, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe, it, maybe, it, maybe the resolution isn't that pretty too. Um, <laughs> but I think that's always kind of in the back of my mind too. Is like, okay, what, why are we here? Like, why am I talking to this player here? What did he go through? Yeah. And, like, yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be an arc. Like, I don't think you ever want to be cookie cutter and say, all right, leave, nut graph, you know, section, 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 close. It's, it's got to take on an organic feel, but I think it just comes from, um, it really, you know, I just, it just comes from conversations not interviews. I think like, Mm. when I'm just talking to somebody like with this book and like physically being there with, with Tony Gonzalez and Ben Coates, and Mike Ditka, Jackie Smith, all, Jeremy Shockey. Yeah, those are some names. To, <laughs> you know, I try to be, be in person for as many of these conversations as much as possible because I, I, I don't want it to feel like an interview. Like I'm not walking yeah. in there with a list of questions and saying like, I'm, on, I'm not on some mission where it's like Walter Cronkite and you I need to hit on this. I want it to be organic and like, let's just see where it goes. Like, let's throw back yeah. a few drinks. Let's hear some old war stories. Let's hear the shit you went through and you know what? Like, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the angle is as we're going along. And, and yeah. I want to be open-ended with it and just, and just listen because they went places that I could have never predicted.
0: Yeah. 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 So how, you know, you've got this book out, blood and guts. It's all about tight ends. It's a, it's a great angle and a, and a really fascinating book, but like, how is that process of putting together a book, you know, like a book that's going to show up on the front table of a bookstore like mine, different than, You know, when you're writing a long form piece for your Substack for Go Long, or you know, for when you were a Bleacher Report or the Journal Sentinel or wherever, like, do you have to think about the end goals differently? Because you know, maybe a Bleacher Report or Substack or on your Substack, you're trying to get like, you know, like I don't want to just say you're like hunting for clicks, but you know, maybe maybe your boss at Bleacher Report was, and with a book, you're trying to sell it, obviously. But like, do you have to think about them differently as you're as you're working on it?
1: Completely honest, I tried to a- approach like each chapter of this book a lot like I approach a long form story that I'm really throwing myself into. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Whether it's Bleach Report, Buffalo News, Journal Sentinel, go long right now. Um, they do intertwine. There is a narrative. I, I definitely would still recommend people read it, like chapter one through 15, because there are some yeah. things that evolve and change. But, but you can j- absolutely jump around. I mean, you could just, hey, if you want to go right to Freaking Jeremy Shockey or Ben Coates or George Kittle, you, you can, because I wanted to take that approach and lean into how I best know to, to write. I mean, this is my yeah. first book. I definitely want to get around to a, you know, a Jeff Perlman-esque, like <laughs> um, heavy, hitting you know, a big angle on something or you know, yeah. take on a big issue, a singular issue that will take on kind of a different arc. But I feel like it was best to, Really give this individual tight end like 100% of my effort, attention, reporting, talk to everybody I can in their world, talk to them as much as I can, and piece together that individual story. And then kind of like reverse engineer okay, like this is how Mike Dick led to Jerry Shocky. Or, mm-hmm. you know, Jackie Smith for the St. Louis Cardinals has this Super Bowl drop that defines him. And changes his life for decades. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until 2020 that Jackie Smith mentally was able to really get past that moment. Mm. That is really similar to something Dallas Clark went through with Ian McCall's as his mother dies in his arms, or Jimmy Graham in a group home, you know, fearing for his life, getting the mm. snot beat out of him by you know juvenile delinquents in the back of a van. Like there's, there were some themes that connected, and honestly, it had a lot to do with life. I mean, it is a guide to like the real men of the gridiron. Like this is the preservation of violence in football. I mean, that's why I did the book. It's like, I, that's what I love most about the game. But the more I talked to them, the more it was like, oh my God, this is a book on the human condition. Like, this mm. is something that anybody can really relate to. Even if, mm. I think even if you're not a football fan, you'll you'll love this book because of what these guys went through. It made them like uniquely qualified to be a tight end. Mm.
0: I think that's, that's so true. Of, like all of the greatest sports books, they're like the sports. Yeah. It's like Friday night lights, right? Yeah. The football's there, but it's about more than it's about, it's about the town. It's about the people. It's about the journeys these guys go through. Um, do you, do you have books that are like classic sports books that you point to as like, these are kind of your, your like guiding lights to your inspiration. Like you'd like to write this book one day or, you know, a book like that. You
1: know what? My daughter, she's she's turning three in a couple weeks. She just literally Ooh. ran in here yesterday and grabbed it. I thought it was sitting right here, um, <laughs> but it just popped in my head. It, it definitely is one of my favorite sports books of all time, but Play Their Hearts Out by George Dorman. Mm. Um, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I, I got to read it again. It's been a few years. He basically followed, you know, the AAU basketball scene through the course of, you know, the next LeBron who was not the next LeBron through his life, like from a very young age up to high school and college when he kind of busted out. And it's, it's not a fun read. I mean, it's kind of depressing in so many ways, but the access he had and the journey he takes you along through the course of several years. I mean, that is a book that stands the test of time. I mean, obviously, I mean, league of denial is in a class of its own in terms of football and what it did to raise awareness i mean like anybody when i played high school you'd laugh at somebody if they had a concussion like we you know yeah. we, didn't have we didn't have a trainer at looking like we didn't have any of that like you yeah. didn't, didn't have a concussion just you know yeah you know quit complaining but that and that nothing changed public perception on like such a meaty subject as league of denial so that that would be right up for two and then anything problem rights
0: yeah. yeah 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 what do you think like makes we've talked about this a little bit i guess kind of in you know, implicitly in our conversation, but what do you think makes for a great sports book? Hmm.
1: I think it's gotta be original and fresh. I think with with the Mm -hmm. way sports media is today, there's so much regurgitation and it's instantaneous and, you know, everything is just kind of a constant stream of information. I mean, we can just pull up our phone and click open an app and we're just, we're just inundated with with stuff. I mean, I think what makes a good sports book is it's it's something that's gonna make you hit pause on life. Like we're all mm. it's easy to get to become that hamster on a wheel throughout the day and just be refreshing Twitter and your yeah. email and Instagram yeah, Especially and as sports calls. fans. Yeah, right. Especially as a sports fan, because that's like the corporate model. It's like, yeah. okay, we need clicks, you need to generate an audience, you need clout, you need to become an influencer. You know, Twitter's become like, who can just say something witty and all lowercase?
0: And, yeah. Oh, that must yeah. be
1: a really great sports writer. Oh, you said yeah. something funny and it doesn't have any punctuation. Awesome. <laughs> like, that's where we're at. So yeah. it's like, yeah. what, what makes so you true. like just hit pause on all of that BS and say, I want to devote 15 minutes of my life to just read this story here in front of yeah. me.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. guess
1: the book would just be that concept taken to another level. So what's going to do that? It is, it is going to be something fresh that you haven't mm-hmm. heard before a story that you haven't, so much is out there. That was a concern I had going into blood and guts. Like, you know, the stars, Rob Gronkowski, uh, George Kittle might even back to Mike Dick, Shannon yeah. Sharp, Kellen mm-hmm. Winslow. I was thinking like, okay, I know surface level information on all these guys. Like, what is beneath the surface? Like, what is even there? Is there, is there anything there? Yeah. As I'm putting the proposal together, I, I didn't know, like, what's beyond what we already know. But I knew that if I got together with these tight ends in person, I'd find out. And yeah. lucky, lucky enough, I did. I mean, um, we can get into whoever you want. But, like, I mean, Tony Gonzalez blew my mind with a story. Jeremy Shockey, yeah. obviously. But even even Ditka, um, if he's getting up there in age, you know, I, I think that, you know, his... I, I wouldn't be worried about Mike Dicken. He's pretty sharp still physically. He's just wearing down a little bit, but he's there's are some to his life that I don't think people know. I mean, we're yeah. how bad of a place he was in when he got traded to Philadelphia. So hmm. yeah, I think that that gave me confidence that I had a book. I remember I turned in, I had a really good relationship with my publisher, Sean Desmond, fantastic. 12 publishing. They, they were great to work with. We were going back and forth through the reporting process and you know, a Few chapters in with with some some of the guys I was getting. He's like, all right, yep, we got a book like that's, and I think he he can say something like that when all right. I've never heard that story before.
0: Yeah, so it's new, yeah, and yeah.
1: it's fresh, and people are gonna be able to chew on it.
0: So you talked about how the it's kind of one of the one of the points of the book is that the tight end kind of is this this essential part about like this essential like keeper of the the flame of like the physicality of of the game even into the twenty twenties. But were you then surprised at like? the um the intelligence of these guys or is that something that you know maybe you already knew because you've been covering the nfl for a long time and there's probably a lot a lot of guys who are maybe smarter when you're talking to them than the average person might think but there are these guys like they're both super physical and the keeper of that flame and yet also like just really interesting to talk to that
1: absolutely surprised me, the intelligence of the position. I think next to the quarterback, there's nobody on offense that has to know more about an offense. Mm, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's why we see a lot of tight ends as broadcasters, honestly. And Tony oh, yeah. Gonzalez made that point. You know, you look at Tony Gonzalez, Greg Olson might be the best color commentator in the game right now. The way he yeah. explains yeah. complex, complicated you know, schemes and whatnot in a very digestible way is – the tight end position, I mean, you've got to know mm. what everybody's doing out there because you're part of the run game. You're part yeah, of the pass yeah. game. You're part of pass protection. You're doing everything. I mean, some are even running the ball. So the fact that you have to know everything and then still apply it in a split second, uh, it does lead to, like, next level intelligence. And you just talking to these guys, you can see how worldly and how smart they are, really. Mm. Even Rob Gronkowski, right? I think we all think he's this big dummy, you know, this big yeah. Neanderthal with a club in his hand. Yeah. He, his grades, we get in high school and college, amazing grades. I mean, he's a brainiac. Julian <laughs> Edelman, I talked to him before. He's like, dude, pe- people need to know Rob Gronkowski is insane with numbers. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean by that? He goes, just numbers. Like, he he can just process numbers in a, in a snap. Doesn't matter if it's sports related, life related. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that. You know, there the, the, the reason he's playing tight end is because he can process that information that quickly. You have to be able to if you're playing with Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> look at all the yeah. receivers that fell by the wayside. I mean, Chad Ochocinco yeah. couldn't run an option route. Joey Galloway, you're talking some really good receivers that were yeah. there in New England. And then last because they couldn't get on Tom Brady's level intellectually. Gronk did that and then some, I mean, Brady's probably begging him to come out of retirement as we record this podcast. (laughs) And Oh, by the way, Rob Gronkowski hasn't spent a dime from his contracts. Mm. Like everything he spends is off endorsements. He's he's so smart with his money. Mm. Um, So yeah, he played everybody for a fool. (laughs) Do you think he does that? (laughs) Do do you think these guys
0: like lean into that on purpose? Like, because it's good for their football persona?
1: I think so. I think there's definitely some of that with Rob But I don't think it's phony either, if that makes any sense. Like, I do think that he is this down to earth good old boy just, um, that loved bashing into his brothers here in Buffalo, New York. I mean, they (laughs) would just kill each other in mini sticks hockey, send each other to the ER on Christmas Eve. We leave that chapter of the story where, uh, Rob's younger brother, I mean, they're playing pogs with Slammers, remember that back in the 90s, and it was. (laughs) one was fighting the other over a mini sticks battle earlier in the day anyways rob whenever one would try to escape the other they'd run to the bathroom and slam the door well rob did that and then glenn came in and pushed the door rob goes flying his head hits the bathtub he passes out glenn thinks rob's dead so that's how we
0: start that chapter yeah. um so there's
1: <laughs> there absolutely is a lot of that to rob grinkowski but he's also brilliant <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's i mean i think i, I just, you know, I knew um, growing up. I knew Ken Rutgers. Uh, I don't know if you ever were around when he was. Around. Absolutely, yeah. He just
1: missed the Super Bowl, ring didn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think didn't he get hurt early in that year? Or did he? Or, I can't remember if he was on the he roster he got at all one. In you know, maybe he was
1: just hurt. Yeah, right before then.
0: But I went to school with his son Matt, um, who has uh, sadly passed away. Um, oh. And uh, Ken was just like he's was this you know, big offensive line guy. And, you know, he like made my, my dad, my grandpa was friends with him. My dad knew him. Like we were just, I would do this whole same school ecosystem. And he made the, they, these guys make the average person look like, you know, children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess Joe Buck was talking about that last night on ESPN after Monday night football in relation to the, uh, the, the, quarterbacks getting hit because he's talking about how these quarterbacks are actually like, these are big guys. You know, they're not yeah. like, they're not me. They're not 160 pounds and 5'10", right? Um, these are like <laughs> so big true. human beings and and Ken Rutgers is just, just this big athletic guy and you talk to him and he's like so eloquent and I think the average people don't realize just how smart you have to be to get that far. Is that something that's like makes writing about athletes interesting? Like, is that part of what is interesting about your job?
1: Yeah, I think that that's a big element of uh, the blood and guts, too, where, you know, this violence needs to be preserved. What we love about football needs to be saved, all of that stuff. And I think it's it's because these, these are gladiators, man. Like, these these are dudes, their, their job is unlike any job in America where yeah. you're you're going to work and beating up your coworkers every day. You know, in training camp, and you're fighting for a job. and You might get cut loose the next day if you like twist your ankle and miss a practice. Like, there's an inherent pressure, an inherent like physicality, and it's just there. They are kind of like modern day, like real life superheroes, where mm-hmm. how, how like you don't go to work at a pharmacy and you know give your coworker a forearm shiver, you know, into the ibuprofen aisle. <laughs> it's just yeah. we can't relate to this. Yeah, it, right, it's just yeah. It's, it's weird. It's different and these tight ends are physical freaks when they're doing it. I mean, Kellen Winslow was just unlike anything before yeah. him physically. Yeah. Rob yeah. Gronkowski of this era, where you're just this this monstrous physical specimen doing something that we can't even relate to in a day to day job. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's awesome. I think it, and it was just fascinating to kind of study that world through the lens of the tight end position because. The tight end, the fact that they have to do everything, like everything, yeah, yeah, that's what can kind of keep it alive in football, and that that's what really pisses me off with all these roughing the passer penalties and the softening of the game, the overcorrection, like you know, you know, when something's illegal, like when you know, you know, I, I, yeah. yeah, you don't want Jack Tatum decapitating somebody across the middle of the field, like, yeah. obviously, yeah. but it's gotten so bad, so fast that I, I mean, it's not football, like it's like the NFL is trying to take this into like flag or touch or, or something else. When what we love most about it is the fact that these are gladiators is the fact that they're doing something that we could never even think about doing yeah. and to just cut away at that because you're worried about what mom might think about, you know, at home with little Johnny playing pop Warner football. I think it's so short sighted by the NFL and I, I hope they wise up.
0: So I wasn't planning to talk about this, but do you have thoughts on like the the future of the league as, as a, you know you've been covering it for a while and you're one of the kind of you know big voices in the in the coverage of the league i, I do you think that there is a um you think in the long term it's it's going to flip
1: they're just terrified right like they don't want Litigation. They, first of all they want the quarterback's healthy they don't want anybody yeah. touching the quarterback because the quarterback yeah. is what is going to keep people Pissing away their hard-earned money in DraftKings and FanDuel and fantasy football apps, nonstop. I mean, yeah, with the NFL, that's a whole other topic with gambling. But they know the quarterbacks; yeah. Yeah. those are the power brokers in this enterprise. Yeah. so they need to keep that player protected at all costs. But I, I think that there are. I, I, I saw some reaction when I was kind of ranting on Twitter, and I, I get it. Like people don't want to see backup quarterbacks out there. Like they, some people don't mind the overcorrection. Like they don't want to see. You know, some Joe Schmo making $3.2 million a year quarterback in a Super Bowl contender in late December when the starter goes down.
0: They yeah. don't want that. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I think it's at the expense of the sport itself. Um, I wish I was more optimistic. I'm kind of pessimistic. I think it's going to keep going that direction. And we're just going to get infuriated, and the NFL knows we'll be infuriated, and they know we'll move on to the next shiny object the next day. Hmm. They know yeah. that, you know, we all, here we are, we all just, we're, you know, complaining about this Chris Jones penalty um, the, a day after the Grady Jarrett penalty, but they don't, they don't, like, they don't care. They're oh, hey, we're still, we're still going to watch. I mean, heck, the worst football game of all time was on Thursday, Denver and freaking Indianapolis, and I watched every second of it. <laughs> yeah Don't yeah feel I know, right? well Serafino's getting up at four thirty a m the next morning yeah. <laughs> like they know they were they were addicted to it, and they just want these quarterbacks to be upright even if it's if it's the- ex- expense of the game itself, mm. and yeah, it's troublesome to me, but that's a big reason to write the book, right like yeah yeah, there's hope in this tight end because until you make it flag until you make it touch, like the tight end has to hit has to get hit. And we'll have a hell of a lot of fun doing
0: it. Yeah. It seems like, uh, you know, I remember playing. I I mean, I was a mediocre high school football player and was never big enough to go beyond high school. But man, I loved it. You know, and afterwards I coached a little bit. And like, I liked that there was a little bit of risk, right? That, you know, I was smaller than most of the guys in the field. But, you know, I played against a guy who was 340 and ended up playing at NC State. And like trying to figure out how to beat that guy and not get... Sacked by that guy, and like, you know, figure out how to block him, and like that was part of what made the game interesting. And I think you, like, you have these guys have a they they know what they're they know what they're they're doing, and like it takes yeah it takes a certain breed, I suppose. But you know, a lot of people don't understand that that is like that risk is is what's interesting about the game for a lot of people.
1: And then you like you just said they know it, and even. Most of the players later in life who are hurting bad, Ben Coates, right? Hard to get around his house. Um, He said, do it all over again. Why the camaraderie? What football gave him? Mm -hmm. Like the the friendships for life, the life lessons that will just carry on his entire life and pass on to his kids. There's so much good that comes out of football when it is football that – yeah, I think that the players do know when they when they sign that dotted line, they're they're stepping into an octagon and yeah. the NFL is almost trying to turn that octagon into a safe space. It's like you can't have both mm-hmm. worlds, Raj and 32 owners like you can't you can't you know, promote this violent game and the collisions and what it is yet also try to be kind to everybody who might be offended by you on Twitter. Like yeah, yeah. it's, there aren't, they're, they're, they're a lot like any corporation, right? If they're going to respond to an uproar and I, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. I guess I'm, I'm as concerned as anybody. And all I know is at least in the trenches, um, until you make it flag, there's going to be contact. There's yeah. going to be physicality and the tight yeah. ends, they can still live in those trenches. And and catch a pass here and there, so that that's kind of a big reason. I think the 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 faces of the game too. It's like Rob Gronkowski was you know he he was drafted in twenty ten. You know he's in that decade of the league going this wrong, soft direction, (laughs) and yet he's pillaging and bludgeoning and running people over, and we all love him for it. Like we all love him for it. So it's like no, this is what we want. Everybody, we don't want finesse. We don't want you know the I was afraid to get hit that's dropping to the turf. We want Rob Gronkowski, mm-hmm. and in that way he he did save. But I asked Rob that question, and he he takes a lot of pride in that. He thinks he brought it back.
0: Mm. So do you think then that like you know what you're the thing you got going on with with Bob and your your go long and all that? Bob's kind of an old school writer. Like I've been reading him like my whole life, practically. <laughs> my dad loves that guy, and and like do you guys see part of your your approach to what you're doing in terms of like your goal is to like help preserve this sort of spirit of what football is and like this definition of it. You know, quick aside, you know, you follow, you watch these games and Aaron Nagler, who's a Packers, you know, fan slash writer, right? She said TV. Every time someone throws one of those flags, his thing, he tweets, 15 yards playing football. And it's kind of quippy, right? But also it's kind of true, right? Like he's like this, that is the essence of the game and we're throwing flags on it. So do you guys view it the same way? And like, is is that, I mean, obviously you do based on what you're saying, but is the work that you're doing and the books that you're writing and the, your coverage of the game about preserving that true essence of what football is?
1: No doubt about it, man. It is like, and you can, at the same time I've done profiles and Q&As and had conversations with a lot of players who've dealt with, you know, concussions and brain mm-hmm. trauma and the painful mm-hmm. side of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like that—that that is sadly that is part of the deal. Like that is part of this. Deal. I just wish the NFL be honest, right? Don't be mm-hmm. hypocritical. Just be upfront. It's not a safe game, right? Let's, let's right. stop with the infomercials telling us all it's safe, it's safe, it's safe. Oh, look at this study. Look at that study. Look at these players wearing Mars Attacks padding over their heads in training camp. Like, no, <laughs> the brains in the skull—it's yeah. yeah. going to jiggle around in that skull regardless of what the helmet is. Own it. It's violent. If this is for you, great. Sign up and play. You're gonna love it. It could lead to a lifetime of happiness. It could lead a lifetime of pain. It's your decision. Instead yeah. of lying to us in so many ways in the name of business interests. So, so yeah, I think that's absolutely a mission of golongtd.com and everything I'm doing over there. That's the that's the way I see the game, for better or worse.
0: So do you do you think it's possible then for the game to be made safer and also to preserve this stuff that this like the physicality of it that you love
1: i think we're there yeah i, I think so i think when you know the concern is guys getting bigger faster and stronger right and more, yeah and the, those collisions that seems like it's not slowing down yeah it's i was just talking to dave Danishek about this yesterday and part of me wonders if it is a product of us watching red zone i mean we see every injury in real time
0: interesting and
1: and it's just you know, it's, it feels like there's more players getting hurt and sprawled out on the turf and getting stretched out. Right, I feel like it's been that way for a long time though. And we just didn't see it in every game in real time. Mm -hmm. Um, Sadly, it's just, it's just part of the deal. But if if I do have one concern, it's the fact that guys are getting bigger and stronger and those collisions will be more impactful for sure. But I feel like in terms of like what's illegal and what's not, uh, the turn of like, you know, the century, you know, 2000 uh, to 2010. I mean, I can picture the Sports Illustrated with like James Harrison on the cover, right? He just takes out, was it Mohamed Massaqua, maybe? I mean, he just lit somebody Charlotte up guy. over the middle. Yeah. And it was, it was ugly. I mean, you look at that, it's like, that is illegal. Like that shouldn't yeah. be allowed.
0: Yeah. I'm or okay the hits with Antonio that. Brown like, took in some of those playoffs games.
1: It, absolutely. Like you just know, you just know there's so many flags that are thrown that it, it's, it's clear. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not, a, it's not a penalty. Even, even to yeah. injury, the, the, the second concussion, with both from the first one, just kind of pushed by Matt Milano. But like, yeah. how are you going to stop a quarterback's head from bouncing off the turf on a clean hit? You can't, I wish, I wish you could. Yeah. You can't. Right. Yeah. So, so just
0: be honest to what you're saying.
1: Just be honest. Yeah. Just yeah. be honest. Yeah. You know, it's, um it's their worst nightmare. I mean, they don't want, they don't want, everybody at home seeing players taking off on stretchers, let alone quarterbacks. Uh, I just, I, I, unless you really want to make it flag football, mm-hmm. right? Just do it. Just do it then. Right. And if that's what you want, just just go that route and we'll, yeah. we'll see if people keep watching because I don't yeah. think they would.
0: Well, they didn't think people would stop watching baseball in 1988. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows where soccer will be in 30 years, right? Okay. I got to let you go. You got, you got other calls to take and all that. But before I let you do that, do you have any other sports books that you would, that you would recommend um, or even, you know, sports writers, obviously this is, we're, we're a bookstore. Um, yeah. And so, you know, make sure I close on that. Any any other uh, sports titles that you, that you love.
1: I just started two books and I'm not done with them, but I cannot recommend them enough across the river. Kent Babb, good buddy oh, yeah. of mine, exceptional long form writer for the Washington post spent time with the team down in the New Orleans area. It's just, just it's unbelievable. Um, and I just started path by lightning. Uh, David Marineris. Oh yeah. So, he's kind of a legend. Incredible. He's a legend. He's that's a the legend. Jim Thorpe so, book, right? The Jim Thorpe book. Yeah. Right. So yeah. th- those would be two, I think, you know, recent book. And obviously Jeff Perlman's Bo Jackson book is, is going to be dynamite because everything Jeff does is so. Yeah. 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 I think, I think those were, those would be great to pass along.
0: Well, hey, thank you for uh, taking the time. And, you, you know, you got so many of these going on. I appreciate that you took 45 okay. minutes and you got NFL players to talk to and you don't, you know, stop talking to me. But I appreciate it. No, man, this was fun. This this was a riot. I wish we could do it another 45. So let's, let's make a point to make it happen. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Good luck with the book. Wish you the best. I really liked it. So everybody who's listening, go grab a copy. But we will definitely have a stack of them at the bookstore. So, um, So, awesome. yeah, check it out. Well, that was Tyler Dunn. Thanks so much to him for joining me. And thanks to you for checking out our show. Be sure to check out The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. It'll be a great Christmas gift for the sports lover in your uh, in your family. And if you would like to get that through our bookstore, you can go to bookshop.org slash shop slash Goldberry Books. Or, of course, you can, you can always swing by. This has been Bibliography. I'm David Kern. Post-production for our show was done by Logan Green. Thanks for listening. Hope you found a book or two to add to your to-be-read list. Until next time, happy reading.